My name's Brett Favre. I'm here to scam. Just ask my number one reference, the Jets. Brett Favre, the history's most intelligent sportsman. Hey, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Week two of the Green Bay Packers schedule is in the books. It's a good win, 27-10 against the Chicago Bears at Lambeau. A classic bounce-back game for both teams. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellonsetter. I'm in Chicago. Hey, He's in New York. Uh, these things are established. We know them. Matt, I just want to throw it to you right where we start. Bounce back game for absolutely both teams. The Chicago Bears played out of their minds in a week one victory over the 49ers at Soldier Field, especially in the second half. They come crashing right back down to earth. Meanwhile, every, every pretty much every question we had about Green Bay gets answered in week number two when they win comfortably at home over the Bears. Yeah, there's nothing like a like a get right game against the Chicago Bears. There's nothing. There's just nothing like it. Uh, a pissed off entire Packers organization having to face off against the Bears and the oldest rivalry in the NFL. There's there's nothing like it, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Everything looked to be clicking fairly well in this game. I want to talk about some of the things that we said going into Week Two. And the most important thing that we talked about on the offensive side of the ball was getting Aaron Jones the damn ball. And that was plan number one, which I'm not going to take any credit for that, but all the same, you've got to get Aaron Jones the ball because not he looked fine in his touches in week one, but he looks fast. He looks smart. He looks to be everything that like a prime highly paid star running back in the NFL is right now. He's versatile. He does it inside. He does it outside. He sees holes quickly. He makes moves quickly. He's tough to tackle. He can catch balls in the passing game. He understands the playbook to where you can line him up everywhere. This guy, that was a total package game. Yeah. They did so much with the two running backs, especially early on uh, Aaron Jones, 15 carries, 132 yards. That's 8.8 yards per carry and a touchdown, along with three catches for 38 yards and a touchdown. He can he can do everything. I don't know if there's really a better, more versatile running back in today's NFL. We really haven't seen Alvin Kamara at full health yet this year. Christian McCaffrey seems like he's been worn into the ground. Austin Eckler, not as good running the ball as Aaron Jones, equally as good of a receiver. He he really is the full package, and you know both Jones and Dylan got over eighteen carries. Jones got eighteen touches. Dylan got eighteen carries and a catch, nineteen touches. That's what you got to do to win when you don't have a superstar wide receiving core. Another question we had was on the offensive line, and Elton Jenkins comes back and immediately answers those questions. It's a it's a tough matchup still on the left side where David Bakhtiari is out and Yosh Nyman is doing his damnedest over there. But Elton Jenkins at right tackle, that guy is an answer over there. Nothing happened for the Chicago Bears rushing on that right side all night. He looked great. I think there was one time he got beat that I can remember. Yash, it's tough to match up against Robert Quinn. Robert yeah, he's Quinn's pretty good. Really, he's really good. That's a tough assignment. Uh, but Elton Jenkins looked great, you know, for his first game action in months. First game action of the year so far, but even going back to last year, it's been a long time since he was on the field for a meaningful 
NFL game. He looked he looks great. That's incredibly important going forward. Something that the Packers did with Yash Nyman matched up with Robert Quinn over there is that after Quinn had a sack that set the Packers back into the drive, the next offensive possession, the Packers just started baiting Quinn upfield over and over and over again and just putting the ball over the top of him, rolling out on his side, basically baiting Quinn into doing all the things that his athleticism and his desire to get into the backfield does for an offense, which is just put the ball over the top, make him break contain, make him give up his set edge, go inside, and all of a sudden you're around him. Uh, The jet sweep motion is another great way to neutralize a guy who wants to get upfield quickly. Uh, Packers with a great adjustment, on offense to something that Chicago was having success with early. And it allowed them to, if not, sometimes it didn't allow them to score their, their drives where they just settled for a field goal or punted it away, but it allowed them to keep drives going and pick up multiple, multiple first downs on offense, just abusing what the Chicago bears were doing on defense and abusing a young athletic defense in exactly the ways that a veteran offense is supposed to. Yeah, and and they did a great job of attacking the Bears' like really young cornerbacking group. Their defensive backs outside of Eddie Jackson, there's nothing super special. They're all really young and athletic, and they took advantage of that. We saw that with Sammy Watkins on a couple great routes. He had three catches for 93 yards. He had a slant that was just beautiful. Um, yeah, just t- just taking advantage of the Bears in all directions. They're a really young, athletic team, but they all need reps. So. Kind of punish him for that. This game got started. Packers drive down the field for a field goal, go up three to nothing. And at that point, that is a, the, the bears then went on their second best drive of the game, their best drive that netted them points, seven plays, 71 yards for the touchdown. Justin Fields uh, was in rhythm. David Montgomery looked good on that first drive. It was fields getting the rush on a little play action bootleg to the near side to get the actual touchdown all the stuff that you want the Bears and Fields to be doing was on display on that first drive. And I think a lot of the Bears' lack of success going forward after that drive was not so much that they got away from what they were doing. It's just that the Packers adjusted and tried to force Chicago to do anything except the stuff that was working for them. And they couldn't find a lot of other stuff to do. Yeah, you know, the first drive, they're on a script. It, offensive coordinator Luke Getze, former Packers quarterback coach, uh from last year they looked really good on that first drive justin fields at times in this game looked really good but outside of that first drive i think they had 67 total yards of offense just just a really tough tough time for the bears uh offensively and defensively one of the things that's not happening for the bears right now is that they don't have wide receivers and fields cannot get them the ball yeah they just can't he doesn't have the time with their offensive line. That's a real struggle. And it's it's Darnell Mooney's just not good enough to be a true number one. I think Equinemia St. Brown led them in catches uh, last night, and he didn't make the Packers roster. And it's not like the Packers right now are a shining star of wide receiving talent. If Equinemia St. Brown isn't making the roster – it's probably not a great guy to have as your number one target and reception guy. Game continues at 7-3 Chicago. Packers respond on their very next possession with a nine-play 75-yard drive. 
And this one is Aaron Jones off the right end for 15 yards on the touchdown. Uh, first Aaron Jones touchdown of the day makes it 10-7 Green Bay. Green Bay would never trail again in this game. Uh, Chicago then went on a series of one, two, three, four, three and outs in a row. The Packers had one more three and out in that first half, and that was the series where Robert Quinn sacks on third and 10 to bring up fourth and 21. The next two Packers drives go for touchdowns after that. After they they kind of see what Chicago is doing on defense, the Packers touchdown that makes it 17-7 kind of told you how this game was going to go. Aaron Jones takes the uh, the pass from Aaron Rodgers that time. Another another jet motion situation. Crosby's extra point is good. So like at that point you're up 17 to seven. Another touchdown right at the end of the first half. Alan Lazard gets his first touchdown pass of the year. I called that a hypno move when uh, when we were, you and I were talking during the game on Lazard's release that time. Lazard is not a guy who has that release package like Devontae Adams, but he looked fantastic last night. And that little move where he just breaks down a defender, stutter step left, stutter step right, then turns in right and the ball is right there, that's hard to defend because Lazard's really big. And if he makes that move quick enough, and if he makes it against a uh, young guy, I think it was brisker on him in the slot there, that's yeah. t- you're toast, you're done. He's so big that it's hard to get physical with him up at the line of scrimmage. He's like six foot. Five. He's built like a tight end. Uh, and he, yeah, he doesn't have a Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen release package, but he's got, he's got moves to get him open. He got open enough on that one. And that's what Alan Lazard brings to this offense in a similar vein to Randall Cobb. It's just a guy that Aaron Rodgers can trust will be open and that he can just throw it to a spot. Lazard's going to get there. Let's talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and trust. We talked about Sammy Watkins already, Randall Cobb in that same way, and Alan Lazard. Watkins, I can understand, you know, week one is is a week for him to get acclimated, but week two, he showed up big, and Rodgers put three balls, as you mentioned, on him for receptions, but what I liked about all three of them is that they were perfectly in rhythm that little play action shot over the top for his biggest game of the night was very pretty but the two smaller catches as well were just in rhythm in stride ball out in front of Watkins Watkins with sure-handed catch you know the catch close to the body everything you like to see from a from a veteran and this is a guy who needs to continue producing at that level right now because it's pretty clear that that Rogers is inclined to give him the ball and he seems ready to go. He looked really good, and that's why you bring Sammy Watkins in. You know, is is you don't expect him to be the number one, and you also don't expect him to play 16 games. If you can get 12 to 15, 17 games now, I guess. If you can get 12 to 15 games a year out of Sammy Watkins, you're doing great, and he's going to play maybe not, you know, three catches for 100 yards type of type of well but he's a good possession guy that can get down the field on deep routes run solid routes has good hands he was a bargain this offseason and i hope he keeps it up all another veteran making some good catches was randall cobb he is he has looked better in the last two years than he did in the three years before that don't know how he went and found that but congratulations to him for doing so which is a nice change of pace because I was out on Cobb way back when we began this podcast, and he is proving me wrong. Yeah, he he he's found the fountain of youth a little bit. 
you know, I think they're doing a good job of kind of pacing Cobb's snaps. You know, he wasn't anywhere near the top of the wide receiver snap counts. You know, Lazard led with 55, Watkins had 44, Dobbs had 25, Randall Cobb had 20 snaps. Um, you know, getting three catches out of 20 snaps, not bad. And, you know, they were all like timely, the type of throws that Aaron Rodgers needs him to be there. on. We didn't see Aaron Rodgers try and force anything to him like he did, uh, like he did last week against the Vikings. Just Cobb's just a safety valve on important third downs. He's just going to run a nice spot, a nice slant. He's going to get open enough and Rodgers knows where he's going to be. That's all you need him for. Second half, Green Bay goes into the locker room up 24 to 7 as they score on their final two drives of the first half. Chicago goes three and out to start the second half. Then Green Bay, with their the biggest mistake of the game, was just a bad exchange between Rodgers and uh, A.J. Dillon. And part of that is that Christian Watson's timing coming across that formation in motion with jet motion seemed to be a little bit off. Nothing was happening quite where people expected it to. So the Bears get the turnover, but only managed to get three out of it, which was another at this point, you know, the Bears had had four consecutive three and outs. So a turnover gives them new life and they get they get points off of it. And then immediately the Packers come out in a game 24 to 10 and are forced to punt. Which sets which sets up Chicago for a 13 play 89 yard drive that ends with a fourth down goal line stand by the Packers and. When pack when the Green Bay went up twenty four seven, that's kind of where I knew it was over. But when Justin Fields is stopped short of the end zone, and the Packers take over on downs, that's when everyone else knew it was over as well. Uh, the The replays of this are circular circulating. That's a great word. Circulating around Chicago Twitter right now in a uh, this is just what the refs do to us self pitying kind of way. <laughs> there, I I have yet to see any picture of that fourth down stand that shows any kind of evidence of that ball being over the goal line. People are drawing in fake lines. People are like assuming that somehow the ball is uh, two inches out in front of Justin Fields' wristband, which is the only thing you can actually see on those photographs. And you know, if you're if you have the ball curled underneath your wrist, I guarantee you your wristband is further ahead of you than the ball. So uh, that's kind of where the Bears' sore grapes come in on this is that they, a lot of fans feel like this was oh, another another zebra job at Lambeau Field, but that was a fourth, that was a goal line stand for the Packers. That was not, that wasn't cheap. Uh, yeah, it, it's also why is that the play you're running on fourth? Oh, it's real bad. It's real dumb. I I I thought he crossed. They said he didn't. I haven't seen any picture that makes it look like he crossed. So maybe they got it right. His helmet but, was definitely over that goal line. You can see that. that. Yeah, sure. That doesn't count. Um, but the, the main thing to me is like, good Lord, why is that the play call out of the shotgun, a quarterback run up the middle. You got, you got, you got running backs for that. They're going to be more powerful than Justin Fields up the middle on fourth and inches. Justin Fields is gigantic. Put him under center. Yeah, put him under center and have him sneak it. He didn't have to go shotgun. He's also not Josh Allen, who's maybe the only quarterback I would expect or want to be doing something like that. And you also don't really you don't really want your quarterback getting smacked around like that at the bottom of a pile. Just hand it to just hand it to David Montgomery. 
just pitch it out to just throw a little slant. Almost anything other than this is, I think, a better play call. I was I was really surprised by that play call, and it, it just seems to go against everything that Chicago wants to do on offense. They got away from David Montgomery earlier. The score kind of got, got out of their favor, which if you're the Bears and you have a limited palette of what you're able to do on offense, turning Justin Fields into a weight in the pocket and try to score 14 to 17 points over the course of a quarter is a terrible idea. He can't do that for you at this stage of his career. I don't know why teams get away from running the ball with a really serviceable running back the way they did, but that, yeah, that play call is inexplicable. Your offensive line, especially in the middle, if you're Chicago, like we know Lucas Patrick, we've seen him play a lot. He's a, he's a big aggressive guy. Uh, he would love a quarterback sneak call at fourth and goal on inside the one. Like that would make him real happy. I don't, I don't see like, it's not Peyton Manning back there. <laughs> it was, it was inexplicable. And uh, it, I think you saw in two weeks now exactly what the bears are capable and not capable of in that they can win really ugly. They've got a bunch of athletes. They're very young when they get to be in good spirits and when other, when other teams are faced with the possibility of like, Oh, it's going to be a monsoon. The weather's going to be terrible. Like our game plan has gone to shit. When other teams face that the bears game plan is to be faster and stronger and more aggressive than their opponents. We saw it work in week one and we saw exactly the kind of team that isn't going to be phased by that in week two green Bay with a, a, a veteran team, and a really multifaceted game plan on offense and defense took away what Chicago did to the point where it kind of exposed Chicago as a team that is, I mean, I thought they were going to be bad, but I think, a, I think a lot of teams are going to look at this Packers film and go, you can get home with four, five occasionally. Uh, you can, you can play zone against their wide receivers. You can try and get Justin Fields out of the pocket where he makes a makes inexplicable decisions. I mean, it's where he's best, but he was two and a half yards beyond the line of scrimmage when he threw a forward pass. That's I, I, I have yet to see more than one of those in my time covering high school football. Like that is, that's one of those mistakes that is really poor. I mean, that, that final ball and the interception by Alexander was a bad throw. Like teams are going to start, trying to get him moving and trying to get him making decisions. Cause I don't think he has the talent downfield and I don't think he quite has the awareness yet to, to come up with those, those great improvisation plays because he looked, he looked bad when the Packers made him get out and start making decisions when it was designed for him to get outside. He looked fine. Yeah. There there's times where I think Justin Fields looks great. And there's times where he looks like a 23 year old quarterback in his second year on a bad football team. Uh, I think the bears, the bears are going to win games where both teams are making mistakes because they're more athletic than a lot of other teams. They're, they were just more athletic than the Niners and they could win in the slop when the Niners couldn't, when everybody's making mistakes and playing poorly, the bears have a chance to come out on top. And that's what, you know, really young athletic guys would give you the chance to do. They had some, some cornerback mishaps, uh, last night, and they were just fast enough to make up for some of the mistakes. And that's kind of the, the dice roll you roll. The dice that you roll, shake them up, roll them with young, 
corners uh, and just young players all around. Yeah. Fields, who knows what he's going to be yet. I, I don't trust I don't trust this Bears coaching staff at all to develop him. I'm I'm very much out on this. I don't I I don't know enough about NFL coaching to know Matt Eberflus beyond what the the little packages that they have from Mike Tirico to read about him on TV are. So I'm not I'm not sitting there knowing knowing what Eberflus is about. But I do know that when like a long-standing and venerable football organization is hire is hiring a bunch of really young guys to do everything, you know the the young GMs, the the uh, yeah, the 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 young guys that no one has a chance on, or has taken the chance on yet. That's usually a sign that like the culture is so is such that they cannot attract qualified applicants. Yeah. I I know we love to spin it in the media as like Ryan Poles. He's thirty seven years old, an unbelievably fresh young face with new ideas. What it really means is that they couldn't find a forty nine year old guy who had a who has had a, a tenure with another team in that role. Yeah, I, I I just can't believe that the Bears are moving in the right direction. There's there's times where I think they're doing something good in the you know, like like I like a lot of the guys on the team. I think they're doing a decent job in drafting. Now it comes down to like, well, can they develop any of them? Can any of them grow as players in this organization? And yeah, probably not. Yeah, just ask Leonard Floyd out in Los Angeles how he's feeling these days. Yeah, sure, he's doing great. Yeah, lot, lots of guys, lots of guys seem pretty happy to get outside of the Chicago mold. And can you think of the last player that Chicago drafted and developed that stuck around and was a star for them? Eddie Jackson for yep. the first two years, and then he's been bad the last two years. Um. Matt Forte. Yeah, that's right. Matt Forte. Yeah, I think that's all I have. That is that's about what you have. Uh, they've been they've failed to do that at the wide receiver position. They have. Uh, was Akeem Hicks a bear at at draft or was he a free agent signing? I think he was a bear. I think he was drafted a bear. Yeah, Hicks. Hicks might be one of those that's guys. Mm hmm. But there are just not many, and that's the problem: is that you you have to you have to have some motivation on these guys to want to sign another contract, <laughs> and uh, once you've had three years in that locker room to decide to want three or four more, it's it's been hard to come by for them. Hicks was not a bear. Okay, Saint Patriot Bears. Um. So yeah, I I I don't really have any I don't really have any other answers. Kyle Fuller was all right. Yeah, he was. Nah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough situation. It also doesn't help. You know, you can be the the worst organization in the world, but if you're somehow winning, guys are going to stick around and they're going to want to keep coming back because they want to win. They don't they don't win. There's no positives to the Bears, right? Now. It's it's a it's a real mess. I'm curious to see what the move out to Arlington Heights, which from all accounts is going to happen or going to start happening or like the momentum all says that the bears are moving out of soldier field and moving to the suburbs. I'm curious to see what that does. It, as far as, I don't know that you have a lot of, of player recruitment or player retention, 
potential in moving out to Arlington Heights, but I could be wrong about that. You know, a lot of, a lot of these players I know like to live in the general vicinity and in, in suburban areas more so than in like downtown Chicago. Cause a lot of the other team stuff is, is out there. So that might change things, but it remains to be seen. I think that, I think a, a major shakeup at the top of the bears is due probably pretty soon, especially with record, reports of Virginia McCaskey and poor health. But I'm curious to see what their 10 year plan is for this Chicago squad. Yeah. I don't think they have one. Yeah. That could be the problem. Yeah. Just week by week, they're taking it. You, you, you got to build up. Um, yeah, they're a mess. Fields finishes 7 of 11 for 70 yards passing with one interception. That was the game ceiling one at the end by J.I.R. Alexander. Also rushes for 20 yards and one touchdown. David Montgomery gets 122 yards on the ground on 15 carries. Khalil Herbert gets four touches and... Yeah, Equinemia St. Brown is the leading Packer receiver with uh, bear receiver with two receptions. Montgomery also had two for 14. And that's the biggest problem is that, yeah, Fields just cannot find anyone east or west. Like, there, there's just not enough time for him to look over the middle. There was uh, the deficit was too much on most of their, their drives that, you know, your play action is not going to work as well. Linebackers don't care if David Montgomery gets six on first down as much so a lot of stuff went uh went pretty rough for them so that's that's the bears numbers rogers 19 to 25 two touchdowns uh both quarterbacks were sacked three times jones with a whole bunch of yards jones up over 160 yards all of all purpose yardage last night uh fantastic stuff overall from the packers mason crosby two for two on field goals three of three on extra points everything Looked fine for Mason in the early going. Pat O'Donnell had a good night as the Packers punter. Will the Packers have a punter this year? That remains to be seen. Cold. Everyone's feeling great about Packers punters in, in September. That's the last, the last three of them have gone exactly the same way as that. The month of September goes really well for them. And then November in yep. Green Bay happens. Then it gets cold uh, and mm-hmm. they lose it. Uh, I think the biggest stat that I saw was uh time of possession packers 37 minutes and 15 seconds bears 22 minutes and 45 seconds i that's just the that's just a deal breaker it's it's basically impossible to win a game with that big of a split for the bears sammy watkins three catches for 93 yards jones catches three balls including a touchdown randall cobb had three catches one two three four five six seven Eight different receivers for Rodgers in this game. Dylan with a catch. Uh, Christian Watson touched the ball three times. They're using him on sweeps and such right now. Robert Tunyon with a couple of catches. He really didn't get involved until after the game was decided late. Uh, Romeo Dobbs the same way. Something came up. Some stuff came up late for him. Preston Smith is the leading tackler on defense as we flip it over to that side. Smith had a great game. Two sacks, two tackles for loss. He looked as good as I've seen him uh, this season or last. Yeah, he he looked he looked great, just pinning his ears back and getting to the quarterback. Darnell Savage with six tackles. Dean Lowry had a good game with five. Dean Lowry, uh, also a little bit late getting off the field. Packers avoided a penalty on that one, so I'm sure the game was rigged in favor of Green Bay because of that. It was, yeah. Yep. Quay Walker looked good again. Devondre Campbell. Look good next to him from your two inside linebackers. You have nine, nine total tackles in the game. You like that every time you see it. 
Jerron Reed had a lot of tackles. Anytime you're looking at a box score and you're seeing the interior linemen, your edge rushers, and your inside linebackers have those kind of tackling numbers, you know you had a good night, particularly against the run. That's exactly what the Packers have. A bunch of a bunch of guys, a bunch of their rotation guys getting involved, making tackles at or around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. The line the defensive line played really well. Offensive line played played pretty darn well too. One in the trenches. And Jair Alexander gets his first interception of the year. Just a nice read on Fields out of the pocket and then Fields staring down a man out of the pocket. Jair Alexander not going to be fooled on that. Amari Rogers, the other A Rogers on this team, returns three punts and also had a kickoff return for 44 total return yards on four attempts. Amari Rogers, they need him to continue being consistent like this. The Packers special teams have had, by my count, one breakdown on a long Chicago return that actually ended up coming back. So early special teams, two games in, the the change around has been nice, but I'm not going to start believing it until we're in the playoffs talking about how impeccable the Green Bay special teams units have been all season. Yeah, Amari Rogers muffed one, was able to get back on top of it. Right, he did. Just, uh, he's he's somebody that I want to see used more in the offense, but you just it's just hard to trust him. He's so athletic and quick, uh, but how do you trust a guy that it seems like every punt is a, a coin flip of whether he's going to catch it or drop it, and they don't really have anybody else to do the job. So, Kind of rolling with that. I think if he were to do the simplest part of punt returning, which is to catch the ball consistently, I think he'd be pretty darn good. He's shifty. He's quick. But he's got to catch him. Yeah, you can't really find anyone else on the Packers roster who's had experience. They they signed a safety off the Jaguars, who was supposed to be a special teams guy. But I don't think he was in the return game. I'm just straight up musing my way through this sentence without knowing what I'm talking about, which is good for podcasting. Uh, but I want to, I want to throw it back to you. Just uh, biggest, was there anything about this game that surprised you? Like biggest surprise, especially after week one and the down week was, was seeing the Packers get back. Right. What about that was, was the most surprising. You know, I, I don't think much about it is surprising. It's the bears. This is a game you should win like this. True. Uh, but I think what I was the most excited about was a lot of the in-rhythm throws from Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think that kind of comes from Sammy Watkins playing well, Al Lazard being back and leading the team in snaps at wide receiver. But the offense just playing looked good. It looked like a well-oiled machine for a lot of this. And it comes from just getting your best guys on the field. We saw so much of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time, kind of swinging Jones out wide and into the slot and out of the backfield and using him in a variety of ways. It just opens so much up for you. And, yeah, just the the offense in general just looked so much more practiced and put together and smooth this week. Mine's Elton Jenkins. And for the exact same reason that I think that a lot of what a lot of what we saw as far as the Packers looking smooth comes from the fact that Rodgers has a little bit more time and Elton Jenkins Elton Jenkins makes the 
right side of that Packers line, one of the most athletic lines that I've seen, especially from Green Bay. They are able to get outside on screen passes and on those zone runs and on those jet motions. They were fast east and west last night, and then they were able to turn up field with good vision. That is a with Elton Jenkins as part of that. That's extremely, extremely versatile right side of your offensive line from center to tackle. Yeah, I loved they threw a, a little bubble screen to Romeo Dobbs, and it felt like every lineman was immediately the second the ball was snapped, every lineman was was shooting to cover this uh screen. And I was just like, man, they are all so fast. Uh, and so it'll be exciting to get Bakhtiari back eventually. Uh, just because then this line is immediately back to being one of the Packers' strengths. Once again, rumors of Bakhtiari being back next week when the Packers are down in beautiful Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers, that gets me to my my recap of the rest of the week. Buccaneers won real ugly down in New Orleans. Did you get a chance to see that game? I saw a little bit of it. I saw what Tampa Bay's defense did uh, and what their offense did. Offense didn't look great. Defense looked really good, but you're going against Jameis Winston with four broken bones in his back. I don't know how much props I give you for that. Yeah, there, there was there was an ugly fight in that game from veterans, too. Like, Mike Evans, how long have you been in the league? Don't run out after people. Uh, that's a ridiculous, a ridiculous penalty. So uh, no Mike Evans for the Bucks in that game against the Packers. But all the same, like Tom Brady and that that's a very tough defense. You're right. You're right back in week three if you're the Packers to facing a tough defense as opposed to a bad defense in Chicago. Uh I think the Buccaneers defense on paper grades out better than the Vikings defense did. So a a real challenge in week number three. And the keys to that game are you're going to need, you know, you got 27 against the bears and you needed 11 of those to win. You need 28 to win in Tampa Bay. I think the Tampa, the bucks are interesting this year. You know, a lot of their receivers are down. Mike Evans will be gone next week. Uh, Godwin, I think, is also going to be out with his knee injury. It's like Russell Gage, I think, is going to be their number one wide receiver. That's not a good situation for Tom Brady. They're also missing a bunch of their interior line. That's not a good situation for Tom Brady. He does not like – if you can pressure Tom Brady on three or four, he's in trouble. He doesn't like that. Uh, Wide receiving core is not great. Leonard Leonard Fournette's totally passable. Is – It's a game the Packers should win. A lot of questions on the health of the Tampa Bay offensive line. They had a guy who was a straight-up practice squad rookie in on the left side of the line for a lot of the end of that game. But, again, the the end of that game is where they pulled away from New Orleans. So if if it works and you beat the New Orleans defense in New Orleans, uh, I don't know that you get to worry about those rookies. Some of them them come out and are ready to play. But a lot of questions for the Bucs and – this is the this is a, a a very important early season game for the Packers, a chance to go a game above 500 and a chance to come up with a road win. You're 0 and 1 on the road, and you look terrible last time you were on the road. Chance to go down to Florida, which is another place where the Packers have had problems. If uh, if you're going to convince me that this Packers team is different than Packers teams of recent years, then I'm not going to say that this is a must win, 
if you're purely talking about convincing me, but you have to make this a game. This game has to be a game with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. If you're going to convince me that this Packers team is different. Yeah, I, I do think it's a must win. If you're going to convince me this, this Packers team is winning a playoff game this year, you have to win this one handily. I mean, they got one touchdown on offense. The real difference maker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game is Jameis Winston throws three interceptions and one of them's a pick six. That's Aaron Rodgers shouldn't do that. True. And they're all shouldn't and the shouldn't do that. That's probably not part of Aaron Rodgers' game plan. Uh, we don't see him do that really ever in his whole career. That's what's written on his tattoo. Yeah, I don't throw interceptions. 500 touchdowns before 100 interceptions. Uh, yeah, no, like this game's decided because of a pick six from Jameis Winston. That's Aaron Rodgers is going to do that. You have to win this game handily. The Bucks are missing so much. If you're gonna, if I'm going to be convinced that the Packers are a real Super Bowl contender this year, this one's got to be kind of a without a doubt win. We've got to spend a little bit of time on some of these other games that happened yesterday because they were fucking great. It was just chaos. all all around the league. It was fantastic. The New York Jets beat the Cleveland Browns on the road in comeback fashion, down 17 to 30. That's fantastic for the Jets. Joe Flacco, still a quarterback in the NFL. Who'd believe it? Uh, love to see that. Love it when the Browns lose, especially when they lose at home, especially by one in comeback fashion to the Jets. That's awesome. Lions get a home win against the Washington Commanders. That's nice to see. 36-27. Both St. Brown brothers had another week where they both caught a touchdown. Tell you, that family is weird, but they're getting NFL-level results. Uh, yeah, man. Amon Ross St. Brown is legit. Uh, yes. Two carries for 68 yards, nine catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. He, he, It's him and Justin Jefferson for one and two for best receivers in the NFC North, and I don't think there's a close third. Have you read any of the the features that have been written on the St. Brown family and particularly his dad? Not at all. Oh, it's worth your time. All uh, right. His father is a a renowned athlete who married another renowned athlete. He's an American bodybuilder and he married, I believe a French woman and I will not, you know, put words into his mouth. I think this is, you know, it's, he tells the story in his own words, just fine. And I recommend you like search out some of these features on him, but you know, the, these kids were raised in an environment where like a scientific understanding of athletics and also the process of becoming a professional athlete were a part of their upbringing. And a, a lot of what you're seeing from the Browns is the result of, yeah, two parents that care very, very much about high-level athletic competition. Very, very interesting story. Not, a tr truly unique unique pair of people in the NFL, those two, uh, the two St. Brown brothers. Good for them. They're getting paid a lot of money. Yes, they are. It's going to get a big check in a couple of years. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun story. And it's, it's one of those stories where you read it and you're like, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, athletics in my household. My dad was a cross country runner. I am, am by, you know, by genetics and disposition, not very disposed towards, towards moving very well athletically. And so like athletics in my, in my household were sort of a thing where dad's just like, well, we got him playing football a little bit. Let's call that one good. He seems to like playing the drums. So like just the idea of 
coming up in that big family. And, you know, it's, it's, if I think it's a fascinating story because there are elements of it. They're like, I don't know if that sounds ethical or not, but at the same time, like, you know, it's not for me to decide. And that's why it's really fascinating. There's a lot of gray areas in the, in the story of like the St. Brown family. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I recommend that one. Uh, Buccaneers beat the saints. Like, like we mentioned uh, stupid fight in that game. Buccaneers looking good. Uh, Saints getting the full Jameis Winston experience. You take with the rough, with the smooth, as they say. Giants beat the Panthers 19-16. This is a game that I really didn't see any of. But the uh, Giants are 2-0 for the first time in six years. And Carolina's 0-2. This is going to be a rough season for them. Yeah, they don't have it. They're they're not going to be good. Baker is just, he's just not the answer. Let's see here. Patriots beat the Steelers 17 to 14. Um, Mac Jones, you like this guy. I have not seen enough of Mac Jones to quite know what he's about in the NFL yet. He looks to be, you know, every time I see him, he's either making a good play or he's making a bad play. But uh, the Steelers are having a rough year. Mitch is their quarterback, but good win for the Patriots on the road at uh, in Pittsburgh. Always, always tough to do there. Oh, yeah. Mac Jones. I like him because he's 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 a smart guy that's going to make the easy play almost every time. Uh, he does not look anywhere near as good this year as he did last year. I think that probably has something to do with Matt Patricia coming back to, to New England. <laughs> he's cursed. Uh, what are they doing? How's that guy working? Uh, it's a I don't. He should not be allowed in any social setting. I think is kind of what I I believe. I think he should maybe be in jail. I don't know. Uh, but Mac Jones doesn't look doesn't look the same as he did last year. Bit of a developing storyline out of the 0-1 and one Indianapolis Colts who got absolutely waxed by the Jacksonville Jaguars 24 to nothing. Part of this is that the Jaguars get a home win and improves to one and one. Like they that's that's very good work on their part. They need they need a game like that where they come out and beat a team that's full of talent and beat them pretty decisively. But uh the Matt Ryan experience in Indianapolis starting 0 and 2 or 0 and 1 and 1 is a bit of a head scratcher. I think there was there's some big expectations on that Colts team this year. Yeah, there's there's a lot of chatter about this Colts team. Matt Ryan throws three interceptions yesterday. He's just old, man. He's just not the same guy that he used to be. It, this he's not going to find the fountain of youth and become something special. And if you're in a situation where Jonathan Taylor's getting 50 yards rushing and only getting nine carries, 10 touches total, you have to reevaluate every single thing that you're doing. Yeah, Packer, Packers fans from week one can email Colts fans from week two and share that frustration because, my goodness, yeah, you got you to gotta running back like that. You got to running back like Aaron Jones, put the ball in their hands. We saw exactly what it did for the Packers in week two. It completely changed the entire look of their offense to have him involved early and often. Yeah. Running backs anonymous. Uh, Colts fans call us. Uh, Dolphins come back and beat the Ravens in the best game of the day. The uh, Tyreek Hill has two touchdowns. I mentioned in an earlier episode that this was going to be a great combo uh, from Tua and Hill. Uh, Tua puts balls on some guys. This was a really gutsy comeback. I the dolphins are going to be extremely entertaining. I don't know if they're a 500 team this year. 
but oh boy, they're extremely fun to watch. You know, it's 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 a good idea to build the fastest, most athletic wide receiving core that you can, uh, and they did it with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. That's as fast as you can get. Uh, I think Jalen Waddle had two touchdowns and 160 yards, and Tyreek Hill had 190 yards and two touchdowns. Just get him the ball and let him run. That's it. That's your answer. Rams beat the Falcons 31 to 27, despite being outscored 24 to 10 in the second half. This was another game where it looked like it was going to get uh, interesting at the end, but Jalen Ramsey came up with a pick. I still don't know whether I like Jalen Ramsey or not. He seems extremely annoying just as, as a, a guy who you have to be on the football field with, which is, I think it's good for a cornerback to be that annoying, but you know, he gets toasted in week one. And here's what I do like about him is that he comes back and plays great in week two after being completely toasted in week one, he forgot about week one. He doesn't remember that. No, it didn't happen. That was fake. And nope. you don't remember it either. Nope. It didn't happen. Uh, I like Jalen Ramsey sometimes also totally depends on whether the Packers are playing him or not. If the Packers are not playing him, I think he's really fun to watch and he gets under receiver skin. And that's funny. Uh, if he is playing the Packers, I love watching him get toasted. That The touchdown that Devontae Adams got him on last year, I believe mm. it was, where he kind of ran the motion back and forth and then came back. Oh, that was beautiful. Uh, Jalen uh, Ramsey was screaming at people, throwing his hands up in the air. Loved watching it. But he is really good. Uh, Rams are going to be fine. Yeah, they'll, they'll be, be all right. They'll be fine. A little hangover. Here's another team I think is going to be fine. The 49ers, despite losing Trey Lance, they just bring this guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, off the bench. And they're going to be all right. Uh, the Trey Lance experiment was, I hate to see it end like this this year, but all the same, I didn't think Trey Lance was going to be their starter in week four. So getting back to Jimmy Garoppolo puts the 49ers kind of where I thought they would be. Yeah, Trey Lance in this game, three passing attempts, three rushes it just feels like Kyle Shanahan was not comfortable letting him throw it. Obviously not in the rain in week one. I wonder how that would have developed as the year went along. I don't think you're too crazy to believe that they would have switched to Jimmy Garoppolo once it actually hit like crunch time. Yeah. Lance, unfortunately not going to, not going to be able to play this year anymore, which sucks for the 49ers because yeah, Morrow's a Swiss Army knife guy. There's still a lot that a lot that you can figure out with him. Cowboys beat the Bengals 20 to 17. Bengals have a little Super Bowl hangover there. Oh and two. Meanwhile, for the Cowboys, how about this Cowboys quarterback name? If you've got deck if you've got Dakota Rain Prescott on the bench, just bring in Cooper Rush and <laughs> uh, and win the game against against the defending Super Bowl losers, Cincinnati. But yeah, and a last-second field goal, too, 50-yarder. It's kind of fun. So 20-17, to Bengals are 0-2. They're probably going to be fine. They'll probably figure something out. Broncos beat the Texans. That's good for everyone, I guess. Cardinals defeat the Raiders. This game got improbable at the end. Uh, Some classic Kyler Murray bullshit takes care of the Raiders. Raiders now 0-2, and... uh, this was a, a different game for the 
Raiders passing attack. Devontae Adams didn't really get involved. I think he caught two balls in that. So good win for Arizona. Yeah, there was one kind of towards the end where Derek Carr throws about three yards behind Devontae Adams. And you just see Devontae Adams kind of like shake his head and put his hands up. It like bounced at the feet of the defensive back who was a yard behind him. Just a bad throw. Uh, and you could just kind of see the frustration on Devontae's face. And you're just like, yeah, man, I don't know. That's kind of what you sign up for. Yeah, all Derek quarterbacks Carr. are not not created equal. There's no problem with Derek Carr. Like if if you're coming out of some normal team, switching over to Derek Carr as your quarterback is uh, is at worst a lateral move. But with uh, look, if Jordan Love is Derek Carr, we take the Packers take that a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, anywhere in the NFL, if you leave a good quarterback and your next quarterback is Derek Carr, you're you're feeling real good. You're feeling really good. That's a that's a dude that will be above average for a long time. Uh, he's totally fine, but there, there's a couple guys in the league that aren't going to miss that throw, and, and, and Devontae Adams was playing with one of them last year. Tonight we've got the Monday night doubleheader, Bills at Titans. That one's going to be excellent. And then Eagles are hosting the Vikings. That's the one I'm going to have my eye on because it has the NFC North angle to it whereas bills titans are probably going to be more interested in dinner but curious to see how the vikings do on the road in their first game against philadelphia philadelphia is one and oh and feeling fine to start the season but uh yeah good game good matchups all over that one yeah bunch of guys that are fun to watch jalen hurts is fun to watch he looked really good in week one i'm excited to see how he grows i mean the vikings packers saw him last week we saw him last week just an exciting offense with a defense that is who knows what really yet. Titans and Bills, a good AFC matchup. Titans probably not going to be a Super Bowl contender, but they're always fun. Derek Derek Henry's just the most insane person on a football field that I've ever seen. Every time he gets the ball, he looks like he's six foot nine. He looks like a Madden created yes, player. Yes, he does. Bowling over people. Uh, and Josh Allen is is maybe the best player in football right now. So you can't, Here, that's that's can't miss TV. Yeah, Derek Henry reminds me of uh, a friend of mine in college, who we'll use we'll use first names out there. My buddy Joe would make these Madden create a uh, create a player teams, and then we're talking like Madden 03, Madden 02 in that era for like PlayStation Two, and he would make because he was a, a great and fantastic. Uh, Star Wars and Star Trek nerd. He would make Star Wars and Star Trek themed Madden create a player teams and put like the Klingons up against the Jedi. And so he would have, he would have Yoda as the shortest possible player at running back uh, with, uh, with like unlimited agility so that he could use hops and juke moves facing like a, a defensive line of, uh, of, of Klingons who are all like named after obscure Klingon characters in, in in star trek so yeah derrick henry reminds me of of the klingon running back <laughs> just seven feet tall yeah, 300 seven, pounds yeah. absolutely ripped have you seen yeah. his high school highlights the derrick henry high school highlights they're absurd it's, i if if they gave him the ball enough he would have run for a thousand yards in a game he was he was insane 
they they look if you were if you were to put the right music and editing to them they very much look like they could be like an intentional like like key and peel style sketch comedy of like you know the 27 year old high schooler yeah who gets out onto the football field and is twice as big as everyone else it's 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 like the classic and jared goff did it a while ago which is a bad example but like where a a really good athlete will wear a disguise and go to like a juco and be like hey i'm the new guy and then just dominate everybody else that's what it looks like it looks like a it looks like a uh a real like billy madison style joke I mean, 16 and 17 years old is too young to have to be making business decision tackles. But <laughs> you see those Derrick Henry highlights and you've got like fully grown, capable varsity high school players making business decisions like, no, no, I will not. I'm yeah, just, I'm just going to try and wrap up with my arms and kind of slide out of frame here. That, Like this guy is too much, man. There's a lot of those kids that call that a school sick that on game day. <laughs> a lot of them. Why do we have to play the team that has the biggest high schooler we've ever seen lined up and <laughs> running back? Coach, can we schedule some other guys? Please, he's coach. The, he's the biggest man to ever go through high school. <laughs> Nobody's been that big in high school before. LeBron wasn't that big in high school. Oh, LeBron's highlights as a high school tight end are Dude. also hilarious, Dude. mainly because like LeBron clearly has no idea how to play football. Uh, he's just the best athlete. Yeah. Their quarterback is have you did you see LeBron throw their quarterback under the bus? <laughs> I don't think so. No, LeBron said he would still be playing football if he had better quarterback play. <laughs> <laughs> and in the clips, it, this is a this is a audio medium, so you can't see my arm. You you guys can't see my arm. It's just like a whipping, contorting push throw. Uh that I've never seen anyone that knows how to throw a football throw. Sorry to this fucking guy he doesn't need to get shots like this he got them from lebron he didn't need to get them from a small packers podcast uh but hey man learn how to throw can you imagine that like you're just some guy who has a normal job and like you wake up to find that lebron is making fun of you because and like you see these highlights of lebron as lined up as a tight end it's really clear that like he's struggling with basic things like stance <laughs> such he's still just just the biggest guy you've ever seen just put it up top for him yeah doesn't yeah. matter he's faster than everyone and stronger than everyone and taller than everyone and he doesn't need the specifics of the position no no Dad. so we got we got a good matchup next week it's going to be packers down at tampa bay buccaneers i liked i like the week two win there's nothing about it to really to really get super one way or the other about just good business like win against Chicago. Every everyone has regressed back to the mean. Chicago looks very beatable. Green Bay looks like they're able to win games against bad teams at home once again. So, and what you really learn is that whatever the Packers look like in Week One of the season, at least they don't look like it in Week Two. Yeah, just they just cleaned up everything which is really nice. There's a few execution things specifically with the rookies that we'll, we'll see if they can, can shape up or just work out of the playbook, but they looked really good. That's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland for week number two of the regular season. We'll come back and talk about Packers at Buccaneers after it gets over on uh, Sunday or Monday to begin your week next week. Matt, always a pleasure talking to you again. These are getting back to being, uh, being business-like, so until next time, what are we telling Stay cheesy, baby. There it is.